Good morning and a welcome to each one. Welcome to this part of the service. I've been inspired already this morning that God is alive and he is working in the hearts of men. He still is changing lives. He's changing hearts. We can't do it, but he can. We can maybe be the tool that leads him there. But he is the ultimate one who will change those hearts. Hallelujah. This, I don't know when it was. It was probably about a week ago. In the mornings at work, we gather around this table and they're just chatting, mostly Amish, Amish men. And I can't remember what we were talking about anymore. And I opened my big mouth and mentioned something. Uh, these things I can't remember. I'm glad I don't remember really what, I'm s what I said. But anyway, one of the guys popped up, boy, he's a saint. And I said, well, absolutely. And I said, if you're in Christ and you're following him, so are you. And I had to think of that this morning on the title that I chose for today was The Holy War. It kind of, I was kind of hoping it grabs your attention, not knowing where I'm going. Um, but we are in a holy war. And it's kind of a wrap-up of the series I've been in with Ephesians 6. Um, I'm just hoping you've learned something or you've been challenged or you can at least remember a little something that we've covered going through these different armors that we are to put on and that it's enabled you to live more victoriously. We are in this holy war and it's extremely important in how we act and react to the situations that we're in. And it's also important that we choose our battles. We don't have to fight all the battles. You know, there's times I've seen where parents have lost the heart of their child because they fought every battle. The child could do nothing right anymore. Let's choose the battles that we're fighting and let God do his work because we can't change the heart of our child. We can help, but we can also hinder. We can stand in the way where God can't work in through there anymore because we're in the way. It's a block because they're concentrating on us instead of concentrating on God. So let's choose the battles that we do fight. Because we tend to want to be in control in every situation. That's when we feel good. And if we do fight those battles that is intended for God to fight, we ultimately destroy relationships 
and it gives Satan another victory. And something that's burning in my heart is we've got a lot of small children coming and they're going to enter into this holy war. Fathers, are we preparing those tender hearts for those battles once they come into the teen years? It can be so beautiful. Are we preparing those hearts while they're tender, they're open, receiving? We are practically their idol. I mean, what I say when my children were real young, I mean, they believed everything. We've got to speak. They're, they're a savings account, as a savings account. You know, if you put nothing into your savings account, when you go to draw out, there's nothing there. That's the same way with the children. We've got to be investing in them constantly. That way, when the teen years come, now you've invested enough that you are able to draw out of them. And it won't destroy the relationship. It's not an overdraft. Let's prepare them to step into this holy war when Jesus Christ comes in and changes and transforms them. The other mor morning, I was listening to the Focus on the Family on the radio in the morning. I was shocked that 40% of the American children are in a home without a father. 80% of the prisoners come from homes without a father. Now imagine all the children with the fathers in the home, but they're really not there. They're giving nothing to the children. The vast majority. And I'm afraid it's in our churches. We're so busy. Do our for myself, I had to ask my me this question. Do my children get my precious time or do they receive the leftovers? If I've got something at the end of the day, they, they receive it. Or do I make appointments with them? This is your time. If somebody else invites me, I'm sorry. I'm busy. This is their time. Am I willing to sacrifice my time for them. I've got to it's got to be an investment. <coughs> you know, in order for us to be successful in the war we're in, We must be properly equipped, as we found out in the previous messages. But let's remember, the war is already won. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the war was over. <coughs> Satan is totally defeated. 
And if we are in Christ, and we're born again, Christ is in us. We're in oneness with Him. We're on the winning side. We're fighting from victory and not for victory. And I don't know how many of you remember my little flat laverne here. And I'm going to illustrate it again today and just show what really happens. Okay? We're born like this. And our nature is with our backs toward God. But when we come to the place where Christ comes in us, and He transforms us. It transforms our heart. He gives us a new nature, the divine nature. Then we are in Christ, which that is really the armor of God. He Himself. We have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So now, we're walking through here, through life. We're in Christ, and Christ is in us. We're in oneness. We're enveloped together. So now, but Satan is out here, he sees that. He knows that. But he'll still bring temptations. And it's, say, an invisible box. We can look out and we can see things that he's tempting us with. But once we stick out our head and we start thinking on it, and we start thinking and rationalizing, we've lost our helmet. And the more we think, then it settles in the heart. Then we've lost the breastplate. Now he's grabbed our heart. And we've convinced ourselves that that's, this is right. It's okay. But we're going directly against the word of God, against the truth. We've lost our belt of truth. And with that, what's hanging on the belt? That's the sword. So we no longer have our, the only offensive weapon that we have. By the way, I had a question on that. Because prayer, they said prayer could also be an offensive weapon. But remember, we might be doing it in a prayer form, but it's also, but it's still, we're not asking God to resist the devil. We are ourselves saying, in the name of Jesus, Satan must flee. It might be in a prayer form, but we're still not asking God to do it. Does that make sense? It's still not really a prayer. It's a command. We're resisting the devil. He flees from us because we're, we're standing in our position. We are in here just go. Does that make sense? Why that's our only offensive weapon? And then, once we've lost the truth, we've also lost our peace. We're no longer walking in peace and in harmony with Jesus. And that's kind of, that's how it progresses.
We must believe in the position that we are in Christ Jesus. And then, it's not just the head knowledge. We act upon it. We've got to stand. Stand, therefore. Stand in the power of His might. And our position is really nothing until we act upon it. Just like faith is work, faith without works is dead, it's also our position in Christ is pretty much worthless until we act upon it. If, you see, if there would be no such thing as hell, would you still be a Christian? Would you be here today? Because Jesus Christ came not to save us from hell. He came to save us from sin. So if we're here just because of hell, is he really ours? Are we truly following him? It's just because of out of that fear of hell. Or are we here, we're so tired of the sin. We need Jesus so we can be free from sin. Is that why we're here? Why are we here today? It made a huge difference in my life once I was so tired, sick and tired, of being sick and tired of sin. But that's when Jesus comes in and he transforms the life. But if we're just scared of hell, it doesn't really transform us. Or it didn't me. But ultimately, it keeps us from hell then. That's the wonderful part. But it can make life so much better here. If we're tired of sin. Just sick of it. Because Romans 6, verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. If we're dead to ourselves. We're free from sin because we are in Christ now. Our life is now hidden in Christ. It's no longer the life I live, but Christ who liveth in me. And also verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 18, Being then made, then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. In verse 22 in Romans 6. But now, being made free from sin and become servants of God to God, ye have the fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. That's why we're in a holy war. We are called to be holy. We are saints. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. That's what happens. When we're crucified with Christ, the body of sin is to be dead. It's nailed to the cross. And then the life is through the spirit unto righteousness and holiness. And if we're in Christ... <coughs> And Christ is in us when we're in that 
oneness. We walk in, we're led by, and we live in the Spirit. That's Galatians 5. So now, in this holy war, what is it and how can we be victorious in these battles that come along? First, we need to understand who or what we're fighting up against. Remember, knowing the enemy. And as you study the Bible, it come, it's clear we have more than one enemy. In fact, John speaks of three adversaries. And it's the devil, the world, and our own flesh are those enemies that plague us. The devil brings individual attacks. But see, the flesh attacks through internal desires. That's how that enemy works. And then the world influences us from the outside through its influence. And each area needs a unique strategy. Here's where we need the armor is when we're fighting against the devil. So we're able to stand. Then to gain victory over the flesh, we must learn and understand how to walk in the spirit. That's our victory over the flesh, is being empowered and walking in the spirit. For I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's what our victory is over that flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, this is the holy war. The flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that we cannot do the things that we would. Now, to gain victory over the world... We must have faith in Jesus Christ who has already overcome the world. These, Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. That tribulation is it's pressure. We're gonna, in the world, we're going to have pressure. The world is going to try to influence us. There's a constant pressure of that. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's where we have to rest in. So in other words, to be victorious over Satan, you have to fight. Okay? We have to, the armor and then the sword, we have to fight against Satan. To be victorious over the flesh... We need to flee from those temptations and walk in the Spirit. Flee from keep going that way. Flee from that. Start walking in the Spirit. And to be victorious over the world, you have to forsake its influence by faith.
The word flesh can be used in two different ways. The one is what's underneath your skin, which is not, nothing evil. It's just the way we're made. That's, that's one flesh. The other one is the old earthly nature that we're born with. So these two are the what's fighting is the old earthly nature that is still here. And when Jesus Christ comes in, now there's a divine nature that's in here, and these are contrary one to the other. It's just a constant conflict. It's not that we take this flesh, the nature, and it's once and done. It doesn't work that way. I wish it would, but it doesn't. It keeps screaming at us, wanting us to come and pull those nails. So that he, that the flesh, that nature, can use our body. But it's our choice. Which one are we going to listen to? Because that conflict is always going. Jesus wants control of your, of your body. But so does Satan. That's the battle we're in. So to understand the flesh, there's a few things I want to point out. First, the flesh is weak. Romans 6.19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. The infirmity is actually feebleness. The flesh is weak. Because it does not have any strength to merit God's favor. There's no... It's too weak. It, it can't. That's why Christ had to come to bring grace. Because there wasn't a man who had enough strength or ability to live up to the high standards of God's law. That's why it, it took Jesus. Someone once wrote, Run and do, the law demands, yet gives me neither feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings, which bids me fly and gives me wings. That's Jesus. The flesh is too weak. It can't do it. it do it but it gives no strength to do it. It wants to do it, but it... The flesh is also worthless. See, these are things we need to understand so we don't go running to the flesh. When we're in a situation where it's so easy just to run to the flesh, get upset, whatever. Get all stressed out. The flesh is weak. The flesh is worthless. Romans 7:18 For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. It's worthless. We need to see it as Paul saw it. And then John 6 verse 63 also speaks about it. It says it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And also the flesh is warring. 
let's understand that's some of our battles. It's just that old nature. The carnal mind is enmity against God. And that carnal, which is the human nature, or fleshly. And the enmity is in opposition. It, it, they're always in opposition. The old man is without hope and dead to God, but the new man has eternal hope and has been made alive in Christ Jesus. For you hath he quickened. He's made us alive. And the flesh is without righteousness. Try as we may, the flesh doesn't have the ability to produce righteousness in a Christian's life. So then, they that are in, in the flesh cannot please God. Then Isaiah, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We can do and say all the right things. But if it's in our flesh, God will not see it as righteousness. We can always be here at church. We can do, be doing the greatest things. But if we're not walking and living in the Spirit, it's not righteousness. We're just being good. It's only when we're in Christ is when God sees us as righteous. Because it's Christ's righteousness that he sees. And the flesh is also wounded mortally. See, Romans 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the, blood, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now we know, I have taught that many times already, about the flesh being crucified. We are crucified with him. Now his death made it possible for us to be at peace with God and to experience true righteousness. See, before they tried and they'd bring their sacrifices. Do we bring our daily sacrifice to God by denying ourselves? It's a daily battle crucifying ourselves, crucifying the flesh. Are we bringing our daily sacrifice? And we crucify our flesh. Lord, today's it's all about you. Do we bring that daily sacrifice? See, that's a fight that we face every day. But it doesn't have to be a sad one every day it doesn't have to end sad there's victory in Jesus now in Galatians 5 we're given two keys of winning this inner war that's going on one on one sense is kind of a negative 
and the other one is more of a positive. So I'll give the negative one first. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's kind of a negative, because that's something that's not fun to do. It doesn't feel good. Is to always be denying what really we desire. But to give us hope, well, we'll keep going. And then the other one is, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Got a little mixed up here. While it is a fact that our old nature was positionally crucified when Christ died, it is only true for us as we reckon that truth and apply it daily. That's only when it's really true. And this also is not merely head knowledge. Just thinking, it's got to come in and be part of us. It's got to make it to the heart. It's got to be go, go beyond just thinking about it. See, there's a story that was told of two men. And they had just killed a turtle. And the one looked at it and said, It's dead, but it doesn't know it. You see, if, if you know anything about turtles, they keep moving for a long time. And we had that experience this spring. We actually got a turtle, and, and I actually made sure that thing is dead and took the head off, so it had no head. But depending how you would poke it, out came that neck, and it was dead. And this was several hours afterward. Depending how you'd poke it, the legs would move. And then when you fry it, it still moves. Now, how are we as Christians? Depending how we're poked, what happens to the flesh? We don't believe it's dead. Out pops that evil head again. We're not much different than that dead turtle. I never thought I'd use that as an illustration, but it, it just fit right in here. John R. W. Stott, in his book on Ephesians, he knows three things that we should understand about crucifixion. First, it was pitiless. An ugly, brutal act used by the Romans on their worst criminals. We know how they acted to Jesus. And second, it was painful. It's never going to feel good when you crucify the flesh. And third, it was permanent. Once nailed, a condemned stayed until he died. Okay? That's how we need to see it as our flesh. That it is up there and it's dead. Christians must learn not to retract those nails. So now the positive. Let's focus a little on the positive now. It's walking in the Spirit. And I don't know. 
how God leads it. I, I might have a whole, you could preach a whole message on walking in and after the Spirit. But I won't do that today now. In Galatians 5, we read, and James had brought that out when he had shared the last, my last message, is we walk in the Spirit. We have to start walking. And then if you are led by the Spirit, then if we live in the Spirit, then it's also let us walk in the Spirit. He says after that again. So if we start walking, we'll be led by the Spirit. And if we live in the Spirit, we will again start walking in the Spirit. And it just keeps going and going. We, you see, we as Christians are a wheel, and God is the hub. And we're just going around and around. We keep being led and living and walking. It just keeps going. You know, as Christians, we should understand that the Spirit is actively involved in our lives, or it wants to be. It wants to be active. It wants to lead us. Are we willing to walk? Having nailed the flesh to the cross means you have yielded your life to the Spirit. You find out where it's leading, and you follow. That's what we're to be doing. So you look at these influences in your life that clearly come from the old nature, the ones that are corrupting you, and you deal ruthlessly with them. Use no pity. It's kind of hard. We like to baby it. Count yourself dead and begin following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's how we can be victorious in this war that we're in. What I had titled the Holy War. And soon you'll find the fruits of the Spirit replacing those character traits of the old man. The more we walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit, the more the fruits of the Spirit will be evident in your life. You keep growing and more and more and you keep producing more and more fruit of the Spirit. That's what happens with the Christian. See, God comes in and he replaces that nature if we allow it. You know, life change for a Christian is not just stopping doing what you were doing. or tearing out the weeds that have grown in the garden of life. It's a matter of just letting God come in, plant new seeds, and then start harvesting from those new seeds that God has planted. So put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Don't allow yourself into a situation where the flesh is going to take control. Don't, don't allow to go yourself to go there. Stay connected to the Spirit. Submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. 
You know, some people can spend all their life resisting the devil, resisting the devil, resisting the devil. It first says, submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. So let's not just resist the devil. And it's, I'm not saying if you just commit to submit yourself to God, then you once resist the devil and he'll flee forever. No, he's going to come back. But it's more, it's, you're far more victorious if you first submit everything to God. Surrender all. Or if you're always crucifying your flesh, you're also going to lose in the war, in the battle. Because it takes a constant walk with the Spirit. Those things need to happen, but not just on and on and on and on and on. You start walking in the Spirit, and less and less of this has to happen. Because where there is light, darkness must flee. So in closing, I don't know if it e it'll ever ha help you seeing this flat laverne. Just be enveloped in Jesus Christ. That's the key. Believing that position and acting upon it, living it out. Live out that position. We have nothing to fear. I haven't counted exactly. I've heard there's 365 times where the Bible says fear not. So that's one for, day, for every day. So fear not. We're in Christ. We're in oneness with Him. We don't have to fear. So from here, let's be living in, walking with the, in the Spirit. And let's help each other. Hold me accountable. I want to be accountable to you guys. If you see me involved in something that you know is not from the Holy Spirit, please tell me. Let's, let's be accountable to each other. Let's be open to each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have sent Jesus so that we can live in victory, that we have obtained the victory because of Jesus. Thank you that we can serve you, the one who is alive, the only God that is alive, and how you empower us, how you change lives, how you change hearts. Father, as we leave today, stepping back out into the battlefield, all those evil forces around us, those worldly influences, and even our flesh trying to indulge in those lusts. 
Father, we pray that we will be strong in you, that we trust in you, that we're so enveloped in you that we can stand strong and resist the devil. Resist all those evil influences and walk in the Spirit so that we can have the fruits of the Spirit abundant in our lives. That we can all be victorious and in the end that each one of us will be at home safe with you. That we arrive home safe in your arms hearing those wonderful words well done thou good and faithful servant that is our desire father so father we just pray that you would enable us empower us by your spirit we need you in and of ourselves we are nothing we need you father we pray in Jesus name